Hello and welcome to episode 22 of the Sock Takes podcast. I am one of your three hosts tonight, Nipun Chopra. Joining me as always is the king of lanyards, the king of lizards, and the king of sock takes, Mr. Kevin Johnson. KJ, what's up? Not much. What's going on, Nipun? Good day so far. Uh, took the doggy for a walk, did a podcast with a friend Varun Joshi, uh, and now I'm talking to you fine folks. Um, did you do anything fun today? I do know, actually, that something fun you did, so why don't you tell our listeners first? Well, it sounds like your day only got worse if you ended up talking <laughs> to us at the end. So. Truth. Truth. Uh, yes, Mr. Sweet Baby and I were out at Indy 11 training out at Grand Park earlier this morning. And so we'll get to the details of that in a second, but um, why don't we introduce the, the Bef- before we, next before, to us, the, the before third wheel. We introduce, yeah, exactly. <laughs> before we introduce Aaron, let's talk about something entirely different because, you know, I don't like to bring Aaron into the conversation. So let's talk about, I don't know, pick a topic, pick anything, as long as we don't have to introduce Aaron. Pick anything. Why don't you talk quickly about some of the stories you've published this weekend? Oh, nice. Nice segue. Um, we published a story where Mr. Jordan Gardner broke some uh, news that he and his uh, current employees, Burlingham Dragons, have applied for USL uh, status in 2019. And the article caught a lot of people's attention for a variety of reasons. And we'll talk about a little bit about that. Just published a piece on Oklahoma City, F- uh, sorry, Oklahoma City Energy and their owner, Bob Funk Jr., who we spoke to. And he gave us an idea of the uh, the plans for MLS and, and building a new stadium, which have hit a bit of a wall. But I think it was a good piece. Uh, that's what I worked on. Uh, did you write anything this week, KJ? Yeah, I sure did. And but before we turn the attention away from you, also if you didn't if you didn't catch it yesterday, Napoon appeared on Soccer Saturday on 107.5 FM, 10:70 AM in Indianapolis. And I thought you did excellent, Napoon, to be honest. Um, you were just very smooth, calm, just bam. You, you, I told Aaron earlier, my quote was, you murdered the whole game. So um, <laughs> very impressive appearance. And I thought Chill. I thought you uh, spit a lot of knowledge. Um, of course, you always represent sock takes well. So even, even, if, you're, uh, even if your takes are a little cold. Um, you <laughs> But uh, yeah, I thought you shield, did. A, I thought you did a fantastic job, and that was great to hear you yesterday. It's very kind. Now I feel bad, so now I guess I'll have to bring in Aaron. Aaron, hey man. <laughs> it gets lonely over there. What? Why do I? Why do I even do this to myself? I wonder. Like, <laughs> I plan time and block time out of my day. I tell my wife I'm busy doing stuff. You? You tell whom? My wife. Okay, just making sure that that was the same person we were talking about. And I, I subject myself to this over and over again. Where you just. <laughs> where you just. Cut me down. You don't even build me back up. You just. Deflate me. Cut my sails. Just really trying to demoralize me. Bobby Knight, tough love. Yeah, the Bobby and I tough love. Just tear do you down mentally name. with uh, <laughs> no sign of optimism in sight. The same. It's actually the Jose Mourinho tough love. Even <laughs> that's what he does too. Uh, Aaron, what's new with you, buddy? How was your day? Day wasn't bad. I was with my sunburn buddy, Kevin Johnson. Uh, we went out. Training. 
Well, I mean, it sounds racist when you say it that way, for I sure. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so we went out to training today. That's how my day is going. It was pretty cool. Indy 11 at Grand Park in Westfield. They got a yeah, good workout we, in. Kevin, talk about stuff. Yeah, let's start with that. And then really quickly, I'll plug uh, what we're doing tonight. Well, we actually, KJ, before we start with the Indy 11 preview, we have a statement we want to make. We're going to go to KJ uh, about this uh, just to set the record straight. We'll do that first. Uh, we'll talk about the Indy 11 game. We'll talk a little bit about Cincinnati. Um, KJ, the, the, we're going to turn this over to you. We, we got a lot of feedback from when Jordan was on our podcast last week from um, uh, SF City FC uh, ownership and a few, quite a few of their supporters online. Um, I th- I'm going to let you take the lead on this. So as our managing director, managing editor, um, and the founder of Soft Takes, you have final say, and uh, we stand behind what you're about to say right now. Sure. So as you mentioned, we had Jordan Gardner on, the Burlingame Dragons FC president, and he expressed quite a few opinions about the soccer wars, as we colloquially call it, in the San Francisco area. So SF City FC team personnel reached out to us, and they just wanted to they made a few points, and so we do want to clarify and update one thing. Um, we did confirm this uh, with multiple sources that um, an actual cease and desist letter was not sent. So we do want to clarify that one point. Um, it was uh, two, email two or a series of emails. Two deltas. Two deltas, sorry. Um, it was, uh, an email or series of emails were sent to deltas in regard to having the sf city fc logo taken down off the san francisco deltas website so we just wanted to clarify that that one point that an actual legal cease and desist letter was not sent um it was just emails um so anyway moving on um we also want to remind you that the views and opinions expressed by guests on the Sock Takes pod do not necessarily reflect that of Sock Takes or its staff. So it seems obvious enough, but we just wanted to get that disclaimer out there. And additionally, to uh, put the matter to rest, we did invite some team personnel from SF City FC. In fact, we offered them to send any team official they'd like to represent their club, and they politely declined. So fair enough to them. And we just wanted to clarify that one point. So... That's that. So moving on, Napoon, what do you want to yeah, talk about? Well, the Indy 11 training? I do want to say one more thing. Uh, one thing that uh, was said on that on the podcast where uh, Jordan, uh, rather colloquially, I think he was trying to be funny. Of course, we cannot attribute what he was trying to say, but he, he called some of the people running the club trolls. And I think that was unfair. I think he was trying to be funny. But the truth of the matter is there's a massive amount of disgusting stuff written on social media towards Jordan uh, that I've seen that all of us have seen in fact just while we before we started recording I saw uh, a bunch of SF City supporters SF City FC supporters posted a photo of a dragon with uh, uh, with a noose around its neck I mean it's it's weird this is weird stuff this is soccer this is lower division soccer if you are talking about or joking about even inciting violence you're doing this whole thing wrong and that's not at sf city ownership it's at sf city supporters and that's an important distinction to make um and it is disgusting all right we'll move on from that you guys uh you were both at training and um 
I am curious, first of all, Aaron, give us an injury update uh, from what you saw from training or from what you've heard, uh, give, given that you are the most tuned in Indy 11 supporter out there, uh, rider out there. Thanks for making that distinction that I'm not just fanboying out there and getting autographs. Um, from... let, me, let me let me get Sarah McLaughlin on again. Go ahead. <sighs> it's just so hard. <laughs> you know, I every day I wake up and I think today's the day. The poon's going to be nice to me. Or at least not unnecessarily mean and hurtful. <laughs> it wasn't today, so maybe, you know, there's always tomorrow. There always is. Both Kevin and I were out there today, and we didn't actually get a formal injury update, but it's pretty plain to see who's available and who isn't for the upcoming match. Right away, you see Torado is still doing sideline training. He's definitely running at, at more speed, and he's he is playing and kicking a ball. However, he is not in the full contact scrimmage stuff that's going on. Same thing for Kwame Watson Cerebo. He did have a very, very nasty head injury that, that forced him out of action for a long time and there were there were several weeks when he wasn't even on the pitch training he's now back to training he's he's got a long way to go to get back to match fitness and to get some time but he is, will also be unavailable in the upcoming match i believe jason plumhoff was seated very comfortably on the golf cart so we can we can expect that he will not make it onto the field on july 4th in new york and who else? Anthony Manning was also absent from training. It was unclear if he was in some kind of concussion protocol, but I believe that is the case for him. Everybody else looks like they're doing pretty well. I don't see any new injuries to keep track of other than Anthony Manning, who has been playing pretty well for Indy 11, coming in and filling in on that revolving door center back position. KJ, anything to add to that? Yeah, Coach did kind of give me more of a, a little formal injury update there real quick while you were finishing up some photos, Aaron. So, yeah, he did confirm three players, unfortunately, three guys now in concussion protocol. Um, Anthony, or sorry, Anthony Manning and Plumoff are not even able to train at all right now, so they must be in the earlier stages of dealing with it. KWS is, as Aaron said, back training in a limited capacity along with Toronto. They're not doing any type of contact drills, but they are able to move around, do warm-ups, and then jog, and do light um, light touching of the ball on the side and passing. So, I feel like uh, I said all this. Waiting for the hot take. The hot take? Uh, I've got a good hot take, actually. For, I've got a great hot take lined up. And uh -oh. it's that Tim Hankinson should consider the 4-3-3. That's my new Hotaki for the day. Oh, my. The reason is, after training... Coach was, he came over and off the record was just kind of shooting the shit with us. And I've heard him do this multiple times over the last couple of weeks. He's raving about David Goldsmith. Goldsmith is tearing it up in training. Can confirm I witnessed it today my, myself firsthand. We were standing over right behind the goal and he just buried two shots top shelf back to back within a span of about three minutes. So yeah, he's I'll let fire. you finish. I want to jump in there. John Bush was letting him have it after Goldsmith buried those goals. And John Bush was heckling him for the good performance and said, just leave the pitch now. You're not going to get any better than that. Just head on out of here. Just leave. Just get out of here. <laughs> he was seriously giving him an earful for burying some shots. 
So that's how well Goldsmith is doing in practice. Everybody is noticing, by the way. Kevin, continue. Sorry for interrupting. Absolutely. And this isn't a brand new thing. This is a development that's been a couple weeks in the making now. So I probably started uh, maybe in late May or early June. But David Goldsmith right now is the hottest player in training. And Coach Hankins you mean like, certainly noticed. You mean like he has like a faux hawk and is ripped like yes. when he takes his shirt off? What do you mean? All of the above. Oh, nice. <laughs> hot. Hot. Literally a hot take. Go on. <laughs> So what it means, in my opinion, is, of course, I'm joking. Hankinson's not going to go with the 4-3-3. But Hankinson is absolutely going to find ways to get Goldsmith minutes going forward. So I would expect to see Goldsmith coming in at the 60th, 60th, 70th minute like clockwork for the next several games. And if anyone gets injured, he's probably next in line to step in. So um, if you're into the stock up, uh, stock down type sports analogies, it's stock up absolutely for David Goldsmith. Nice. Uh, do, what are what are you guys seeing from training, or maybe from what uh, Coach Hank mentioned uh, beyond his finishing? I, I've noticed like his work rate, and you know he's able to break from deeper areas into forward areas. What do you guys see? Uh, how how he could be utilized, uh, even if it's in the four three three or in a different formation? How do you guys see it working out? I'll take that one. Go ahead. Um, Go ahead. It's funny you mention that because that is exactly literally exactly what Indy 11 were working on in practice today. Coach Hankinson, I asked him about it after practice, and he just said, I asked him if it was something he saw on film as a weakness that jumped out to him or just something he wanted to work on. And he said it was just from the last day or two of training that he thought the balls through were sloppy and the timing of the runs were off. So what he did, he lined up cones and like fake defenders, um, you know, as kind of like a flat back four or back five. And all they did was time runs and try to play people in behind the defense, um, perfectly weighted balls into space, you know, on someone accelerating into space. So that was a definite focus at practice today. And um, I'm curious to see if that's a strategy to, to try to uh, break down the cosmos, maybe try to funnel the ball um, out to the wings a little more or maybe um, into the middle first, then out toward the corner flag. So, but yeah, that was a definite point of emphasis at practice today. The last couple of weeks, Indy 11 has been most dangerous when they've gone inside-outside real quick and then back inside with, with a first touch type thing. We saw this with the, the cross to Justin Braun. You know, it, it went inside, it went outside to Marco Franco, and then back into Justin Braun all in a couple seconds and all with some one-touch passing. They were working on that specific type of scenario in training today. Again, all working on timing those runs, all working on playing through a person like Brad Ring and then him kicking it back out or somebody else like Sunisha to make sure that the ball is getting distributed in and out quickly. I think that you saw a big payoff there. And even the week before, Marco Franco had a, a assist that was called back that went to Eamon Zayed for the header. It was the exact same type of thing. A quick switch with a pit stop in the middle to a, a you know, central midfielder, kicking it all the way out. Uh, the other goal from last week for Indy 11 was to Eamon Zayed and a through ball, just like what they were training today from Justin Braun. It was a perfectly weighted ball, so I don't even know why Justin was out there. <laughs> he doesn't need to work on his timing, either receiving or distributing. This guy deserves a break. Uh, I'm going to vote for it from this point going forward. Justin Braun doesn't even need to be at practice. 
He's, he's that good. He can just stroll in and, and kick some butt. Just why, not? just why not? Just cash his paycheck. Just show up. I mean, he works harder than everybody else on game day anyway. That's a fact. So. That's a goddamn fact. Um, other things about this game, Cosmos are starting to show some of the ability we saw last season. Uh, they've just signed a new striker in the last uh, few weeks. Uh, you know, they're going to be investing more from what I'm hearing. So um, I'm curious what how you guys see this Cosmos game playing out. Uh, it's too... I'd say different with an asterisk teams than we saw in the final last year. You know, our, our starting 11 is fairly similar than, to what it was then. Cosmos is, is somewhat similar and they are a new manager, manager a new ownership. Um, your guys' thoughts on, on what will be an interesting double header uh, in Coney Island as well as at the mic uh, next week? Well, first of all, Hankinson was kind enough to tell us about some of the new signings of the Cosmos. I haven't had time to transcribe those quotes because we just got back from training, but maybe check out the Socktakes Twitter account um, a little later today or sometime this holiday weekend, and we'll transcribe a couple of those quotes and just give you an idea of what Indy 11 is expecting from the Cosmos from the perspective of the head coach. So. As far as what I'm expecting from the Cosmos, they also have several guys on international duty. I believe four. Four guys on international duty. But, of course, you see they signed two new players, both attackers. So it's kind of a big question mark to me. I do think the Cosmos are a little bit ripe for the picking. I mean, if you just got four, four regular mainstays on that roster out of there, um, even with the reinforcements, it's still two new guys. They're not going to be fully in sync. And I think that this Indy 11, they're, I wouldn't say they're catching fire necessarily, but they got the two wins in a row. And I think that this is a good time that if you're going to catch the Cosmos when they're a little bit vulnerable, I think it's the time to do it Tuesday. I, I should clarify that the two signings that they have made, Pablo Varanjakan, it was a story that we broke on soft takes uh, that he was going to sign. Um, and the other one, Lucky Musana, is, uh, Kusana is someone that has actually played for Cosmos, has returned to them, uh, as, as KJ mentioned, both attacking players. Uh, and it's important to note that Cosmos have not really had a recognized center forward uh, all season. So now they have one and a half <laughs> in the case of Pablo and Lucky. Uh, and it gives them a, another dimension because, as we've talked about on previous podcasts, the ability of someone like Ledesma is undoubted. Uh, Ryan Richter's crossing, in my opinion, is very underrated. There's a lot of quality in that in that team, uh, and I'm going to come to Aaron now with for for his thoughts on Indy Eleven uh, Cosmos. First of all, an act of solidarity solidarity—that's a hard word to say—and an act of solidarity with our brethren. This is Cosmos Country Podcast. Right. I have almost entirely refused to cover anything New York Cosmos. You want to talk about something dirty and despicable in the game with the way internet trolls behave out in California. There was some despicable behavior out east, and so I really truthfully haven't watched almost a minute of New York Cosmos all season. But you look at their form, as you mentioned. I'm just glancing right now. In the last five matches, Cosmos have taken the exact same number of points that Indy 11 have. In the last five matches, Cosmos have dropped two games and, and have a draw. So... You look at that, you think, who's in better form? Well, Indy 11, because they have, they're have they coming off of back-to-back -back wins and a, and a newfound confidence. Indy 11 at training today, you know, they start off, they're, they're maybe doing some unconventional 
drills and things, but they're laughing and they're having a good time and they're getting warmed up together. They sound like a team that is excited and is bonding. I don't see any kind of, you know, dysfunction, but I wouldn't expect that after, you know, two games in a row with putting away your opponent. Then they get to the meat of their training and they start focusing and they start criticizing each other and making sure they're all holding each other to a certain standard and being professionals and getting the job done. Indy 11 is a team that I don't think anybody really wants to face. And like KJ said, they are missing some of their, their strength in the middle and they might be ripe for the picking. You know what is really impressive or really sad, however you want to look at it, whatever whatever mood you want to be in. I, I listen to Sarah McLaughlin a lot, so <laughs> I know it. But on uh, July 4th in New York, in Coney Island, the Cosmos game, the New York Cosmos game, won't even be the most popular attraction in Coney Island. The, the, that's the spring on my microphone stand. Um that's pretty crazy. Let's see. What was my point? The Nathan's hot dog eating contest is going to be just down the road. And there oh, will be yeah. 20,000 people at that or 50,000 people at that watching a, a human being eat 60 hot dogs in 10 minutes. And somebody get me with the stat correction on what the actual record is and what the exact time is. Not that important. My point is shoveling hot dogs in your face will actually be more entertaining and more important to most New Yorkers than the New York Cosmos. So. Wow. Yeah, that's a crazy thing I never thought about. That that That's such a good point. Yeah. And the other thing is, I talked to Eamon Zayed after training today, and he said they're going to miss it. They're not going to be able to see the hot dog eating contest. I said, oh, boy, you're missing out. That's America at its finest. That's America Jack. you got to end up with America Jack. Uh, that's how I picture uh, white people talking, I guess. So, uh, so racist. Are there are there uh, other takes we should have? Are there other takes on this? Are there maybe a score prediction from all of us for for uh, Tuesday, and then you can do your your guys' score prediction for Saturday when you record midweek. But score prediction for Tuesday, guys. Uh, Kevin, let's start with you. I'm gonna say one-one draw. All right, KJ, uh, Aaron. One-one draws. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Why not? I'm going gonna to go with a 2-1 loss for Indy, I think. I think we are going to... I think it'll be closer than... Um, it will be a close game, but I think Cosmos will just edge it. Um, and yeah, so those are our predictions. All right, let's move ahead. We uh, we should talk, guys, about the... Uh, we, have <laughs> we should talk about Borat, for sure. Um, but also... We should talk about the article we wrote uh, with uh, where Jordan Gardner declared his uh, his uh, his team to be um, applying for USL for 2019. I'm gonna let you guys bounce ideas. Uh, sorry, ask me, take the lead on this, and ask me questions. Um, so KJ, Aaron, do you guys have any questions about that piece? Yeah, I do. So first of all, how did you come about this information? Obviously, you sat down with with Jordan or you, you had a phone call with him to get some of this information, but did he approach you with this story? Yes, he did. Uh, he, 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 he messaged me and said, uh, I think we are ready to go public with some news and we, uh, we think it, it would be prudent for you guys to share that news. And, uh, we started talking about what the news was. Um, 
and we first were thinking about doing it in a podcast form, but I felt, uh, and he agreed that an article would be better uh, because you know it's 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 more difficult to really, as you guys know, it, it's it's easier to integrate your thoughts when you're writing as opposed to in a podcast, and information can get lost in a podcast. So uh, that's why that's how the article came about. You can find the article on socktakes.com, but I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably already know that it's actually a really excellent write-up of a conversation that Napoon had with Jordan Gardner. So what was the announcement? Did, did we get that? Yeah, we yeah. got uh, that it was um, that, that Birmingham Dragons uh, will be basically applying for USL for 2019. They've put in the bid. The only thing missing right now is uh, the stadium and that eventual uh, acceptance from USL. I spoke to sources in USL and they confirmed that it was a high-priority bid. Uh, that that those are my words, not theirs. I'm just paraphrasing them. Um, and that the only thing missing, uh, sorry, the only thing uh, that is holding it back right now is the stadium piece. Yeah, I found that interesting. So they don't have an actual location and they're not actually approved. So what are they announcing? Yeah, it's actually a very good question. They're announcing, basically they're announcing an intention uh, to be a team. They're announcing an application to USL. And it's interesting that they're doing this because it means that they're openly breaking ties because right now they are the PDL affiliate of the earthquakes, uh, the, the San Franc- what? San Diego earthquakes. No. Uh, San Jose. San Jose. God damn it. I couldn't even think of the MLS, MLS show. I am the worst MLS show of all time. Sounds um, racist when you say it. Sounds racist. So, I, uh, so it's, it's very brave that they're doing this and, and – I think a question should be asked, and I didn't ask it at that if time. You wait. I mean, if you wait, I'll ask the question. Okay. All right. No, but you go first. It sounds like you do it better. <laughs> I think the question should be asked why they are doing this now and, and why uh, Jordan was as, as uh, vitriolic. Not vitriolic is the wrong word, but as... Uh, no, actually, vitriolic is the right word because there was vitriol in some of the stuff he said. So why someone like Jordan, who's actually very measured and analytical, went down the route that he did, being so direct and being so dismissive of the Deltas? So, Napoon, why do you think, if you want to speculate, why do you think that ha- happened? I'm speculating. This is completely speculation. I wonder if uh, his hand was forced uh, by some other organization uh, that's one possible reason. Maybe Jordan, you know, maybe Jordan was genuinely. Uh, maybe they they had to release the information right now, and I caught Jordan on a bad day. I mean, that's possible. Um, I, I when I was interviewing Jordan and on the other side of the phone with him, it felt to me that bits of that conversation were were not Jordan, the Jordan that I've talked to quite a few times. Um, obviously, in a professional, it's always been very professional. I've never heard him dismiss uh, leagues or dismiss, I mean, dismiss teams in that way. I felt he was overly critical. Uh, and I, I wondered, and I, I didn't get to ask him that question because I was trying to figure out what, you know, while you're on the, on the phone, you're trying to basically come up with questions and think of things. I didn't get to ask him the question as to why he was as almost obnoxious as he was on that on that call. And only Jordan can answer that question. What I will say is um, that I don't think that 
interview is representative of Jordan. I think he's a lot more measured than that. Um, and to be honest, some of the things he said about Deltas are correct. I mean, Brian Helmick has said this on the record that Deltas is struggling and he's told people otherwise as well. So some of his criticisms of Deltas were valid, but his tone was not fair. Um, and some of the criticism, some of the barrages of tweets that we got for that article, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of tweets uh, were correct in their assessment that uh, that honestly, Jordan came off as a little bit of a dick, even though he's not, in my opinion, uh, a dick in real life. So it's it's a tough one for me as as someone who's talked to him as well as what was on the other end of that call. It was uh, unexpected. Well, so it's an un- unfortunate rollout of this information because the story should be about the growth of the American sport or a team deciding to have greater ambitions and doing what they can to achieve a higher level. Instead, what happens is the storyline becomes somebody came off as dismissive, rude, as you said, a little bit of a dick. So, exactly. And, and, and you're, abs- you're 100% right on this, by the way, that the story, more than Dragons, the story was Jordan. Um, that was discussed at, at Infinitum on Twitter, on social media, on Reddit, everywhere, right? And the question should be asked again, was that by design or was that some was that a mistake or was that a calculated error? Uh, whatever, the, the, that was not, um, at least in my opinion, felt a little strange. So I think somebody, I'm sure someone else, the next person who gets access to Jordan maybe will be able to ask a question like that. Was that a calculated mistake, a calculated uh, move on his part or was that, did I catch him on a wrong day? Uh, I mean, all of these are valid questions. It's very possible that my questions, you know, pushed him in a direction that he didn't want to go. I mean, that's possible. You, you, you guys know this. You, you guys interview people all the time, and your your own questions can lead your interviewer down a specific path, right? It's it's almost like um, uh, the Schroding, Schrodinger's cat equation. Like your as act of as an observer is influencing. Uh, sorry, actually, that's Heisenberg uncertainty principle. Your act as an observer, your act as a journalist, is actually influencing the story itself, regardless of how much you don't want it to. So it's entirely possible that my questions were a catalyst for some of the things he said. And these are all valid criticisms and valid questions that other people should ask. Well, let's move then to what this actually means. So let's break it down to the story, the actual information that we got. Mm. How do you feel like this impacts the game in San Francisco? which, as uh, we're starting to realize, seems to be a very competitive, very crowded market. I think Jordan's assessment is correct, that it is not a saturated market. I don't think Deltas have come close to cornering that market. I think the advantage Deltas have, if they are able to hang on, is that they have two years on since the start of their project before, actually it'll be three years before, before, uh, before the 2019 San Francisco USL project. So they'll have three years to, to consolidate this market better uh, and and um, you know as much as Jordan points out that they already have a PDL team there it's a different ball game between PDL and USL so that is an advantage the Deltas have I do think that it is possible that both markets can coexist and ultimately uh, I hope that that's the case but as we know things change month to month in this in at the D2 level who knows what the soccer landscape will be like in 2019 who knows if there'll be an NASL? Who knows 
if there will be deltas. Who knows if this bid, this uh, the, remember, it's still just a bid from Dragons, will come to fruition. I think it will, but there's no guarantees. So there's so many th- moving parts to this that it's actually difficult to predict what it will be like in 2019. I said this on the last pod, that these soccer wars, as we call them, we call them soccer wars kind of as a joke, and sometimes we use the, the letter Z to really kind of imply that we're not ultra serious about it, and sometimes I misspell the word soccer. <laughs> or, but this is yet another market where we're going to have a USL, NASL head-to-head battle in, in, potential, in potentiality, if that's even a word that I can use, if I'll be permitted to make up my own words. It works. We had this in Oklahoma City. We have all sorts of these battlefronts all across the world. People are interested in it. I don't know exactly why everybody takes whichever side they do, but people do politicize this event. It's very interesting that there's a right way and a wrong way, asking different people whichever the right way and the wrong way is, that there's a right way and a wrong way to run a club, to build a club, to to advertise for a club. You look at something like Atlanta United, and they... They kind of grow from nothing, and the fans are having a great fucking time, and they're selling a shitload of tickets. And there are still some people that are like, "Oh my god, they're plastic ultras. They're not real. You know, they don't have any history." Well, of course, they can't have any history if they've never made it before. But <laughs> why do they have to fail in year one in order to be a legit club? Right. They don't. This but is... these soccer wars are fascinating. It's not going away anytime soon. That's for sure. These these soccer wars are heating up. You're going to have two D threes. Two D twos and everybody wants the same pie. They're not. They're not trying to equally divide it. They want as much of the pie as they can get. It's it's business and it's how they make money. Sure, somebody like Brian Helmick believes that he can exist or coexist with another similar division team, and there is plenty of market share available, and and he might be willing to open source and to let people in and be transparent and do all this stuff. But he would like to have the majority of the market share. He would not. I mean, he would be dishonest, I think, if he said, no, I think we should split it down the middle equally. I think you should have 50 and I should have 50. No, he's going to try his hardest to have the bigger impact in that market. It might be enough for them to be successful and to survive, but he's he's not at all willing to say, I'm speaking on behalf of him and I don't care who, who has a problem with this. He's not at all willing to say, I, I cannot wait to divide this city 50-50 for a Division Two soccer team. KJ, you have anything to add? We've Aaron and I have kind of talked about this, but want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, um, and people need to understand that we have absolutely no horse in this race. You know, we're a fan of just soccer everywhere. We're hoping all these clubs flourish. Um, but my personal opinion, just to give it, is I really like Brian Helmick's attitude. I mean, what can I say? The guy takes the high road every chance he gets, and those that's that's a good attribute that I think. If Deltas do kind of seem like their back is against the wall a little bit, you know, you come out of the gates, an expansion team, and you can barely get 2,000 people in the seats. So um, if the Deltas can make it out of this, I think it will be because of that character of Helmick. And, um, you know, he's not going to get uh, flustered or make a knee-jerk reaction. He's just very level-headed. And if the Deltas can turn things around, I think it's absolutely um, will be a tribute to his character. Yeah. I, I want to say it specifically. Yeah, we're all friend, we're all fans of Brian Helmick and everything that he's done. I'm just simply saying he wouldn't be inviting more competition 
That's that's really what I'm saying. Yeah, no, both those points are valid. Um, and at the end of the day, I think we are fans of Brian Helmick, uh, but also as our, in our jobs, as in my case, a pretend journalist, in the case of KJ and Aaron, actual journalists, you have to ask questions about people you like. And you that's why... So I like Jordan, but I have to ask the question, like, what the fuck, why, what was he thinking when he did that interview? Same way with Brian, you know, we should continue to criticize decisions we think are wrong with the Deltas and, and yet applaud him for exactly what KJ said, which is, a deg- which is a desire to have more collaboration and, you know, things that he's doing that no one, well, not no one, very few people have done, like reporting turnstile clicks. Like things like that are healthy for the game in the long run. The problem Brian Helmick is running into is that he's a new school guy working amongst old school sharks that really cannot understand. That's a hot them. Take. That is a hot, hot, hot take. And you know these old school old school sharks include people that all three of us know, all three of us like, and that is the reality of it. And it is our job to continue to criticize those people as much as we do Brian if not even more so. So anyway, that was a sock take and a hot take mixed into one. Um, any final thoughts on the um, Dragon's piece? Nope. Nope. Read it if you haven't. If you haven't read it, you've listened to us talk about it for 20 minutes. Read it. It won't take very much time. It is interesting. It is interesting. And a lot of people have read it. I mean, if there's one thing that people like is it's a drama. And this Soccer article has a, has, a, has a lot of it. So Soccer Wars... Or soccer wars. Exactly, the soccer wars attract uh, attract views. That's for sure, and it's unfortunate, you know, be, being super meta about it. It's unfortunate that it, that is the sort of article that if you write, you know that it's going to get a lot of attention, even though it makes you a little bit queasy to write that because, as as KJ pointed out, we have no horse in this race. We want all these teams to succeed. So anyway, those are my final thoughts. Let's uh, move ahead beyond this. Anything else we want to talk about, guys, before we wrap up the show? Yeah, I'd, I'd really quickly like to touch on Indy Saints FC. Yes, oh, that's right. And KJ wrote a very good article, again, on SockTakes.com uh, on this. I'm breaking news with Indy uh, Saints FC. KJ, before you tell us the story, tell us a little bit about Indy Saints FC because a lot of our listeners, especially outside of Indianapolis, might not know who they are and how you know them and where they play. Sure. So just as recently as March of 2017, Indy States FC did not exist, not even as an idea in someone's head. Um, late Mid to late March, I believe Jason Brown, who is the coach, he's also the director of operations now for Indy Saints FC. He had an epiphany in Kenya. It's a very interesting story. Um, his, his wife and himself, they His who? Do, uh, Jason Brown. In, sorry, the Saints coach, Jason Brown. Um, his wife and him. His his what? Where is head? What? His wife. Okay, go on. Oh, sorry. They um, they run a charity based out of Kenya. So he spends both of them spend several months out of the year over there, and while he's over there, he also works with players that are about the the same caliber like they're not quite pro level but you're you're impressed with how good they are and you're like man you know this is like a really good high school player or a college level player 
Um, and if they just got like, you know, coaching and opportunity and whatnot, they could really, really flourish. So while he was in Kenya, he started working with the owner, uh, Chris McGrath, um, who I met with him recently too. Great guy. And Chris was still based over here in Indy. So um, Jason was telling me how a lot of the times they'd be communicating via Slack and it would be like two, three in the morning over there. So this whole team was put together um, via the coach planning at three in the morning in Kenya with um, owner Chris McGrath. So it's kind of cool how it came together and it just happened so fast for them. They, they got the idea. Um, they secured a practice facility. Um, they secured Park Tudor to host the home games. They they picked a league a little bit hastily. We'll get to that in a moment. But And they were shocked, I guess, at the tryouts. They had a really, really high turnout. So they were blown away with how, how much interest it generated. And also a quick backstory about the name. The, the name, it's not named after, per se, the Old Saints Club, but it was meant to be an homage. There was an old, I don't know if it still exists or not as a youth club, but I recall, because I played against this club quite a bit growing up, but it was based out of Lawrence here on the northeast side of Indianapolis, and it was the Saints Soccer Club or Saints FC, maybe. And so the, the name of the club is kind of an homage to the Lawrence Saints Youth Club. And also just kind of a, to represent Indiana soccer period. And um, so anyway, this team w just existed in Jason Brown's head in March 2017. Next thing you know, they've got, you know, tons of people showing up at tryouts. They get the team together and they're league hunting. I, I, they looked at like PDL or NPSL, but I don't believe they're quite ready for that level yet. Um Especially, you know, in PSL, a lot of those clubs pay their players or some of their players. So that's a whole nother ball game. But they, they found a home in the CSL USA. If you're not familiar with it, it is the Champion Soccer League USA is the official name of the league. And long, long, long story short. Too late. Um, what about the they league? were they, sold they snake amateur? oil. They, they bought oh, snake oil. Long story short. Um, they were promises were made to the club and that were not followed through. The main sticking point was the U.S. Open Cup bid. The winner of the league was supposed to get an automatic U.S. Open Cup bid for 2018. And turns out that is not the case. Um, they also mentioned uh, several other red flags, which they weren't quite ready to go on record with um, for obvious reasons. But they wanted to go on record and cite the primary reason was this sticking point of the, the lack of the U.S. Open Cup bid that they had been promised. And uh, you'd be amazed. Uh, Coach Brown loved the U.S. Open Cup. Every time I talk to him, he raves about how he can't wait to get his team in it. And that was their goal. Their, their goal for the season was to win the league and get in that. That's like the one thing they were looking forward to. So, And this all just happened very recently. Just this past Thursday, they found out that it was the Open Cup bid was just an empty promise. So... That was kind of like the last straw type of thing. There were several other issues going on. And the CSL USA, it appears to be in turmoil. The president recently resigned last weekend, last Sunday. So I'm not sure what's going to happen with the future of the league, but there obviously are a couple issues going on. And as far as the future for Indy Saints FC, they're going to start looking for leagues immediately. They are going to apply uh, to U.S. soccer 
to get into the entry level tourneys to qualify to get into the U.S. Open Cup, which I guess is a method you can do if you're not in a league. So they're mm. going to try to do that, which the earliest they can apply to do that is this August, Coach Brown told me. And they're just going to go on the hunt for a new league. So by all means, if you have any suggestions, hit them up on Twitter. You know, they're, they're, this all just happened Thursday when they made the decision. And they are open to probably any and all possibilities. So that's the situation. And hopefully there are just greener pastures to come for Indy Saints FC. What are their options now? Their options? That's a very good question. Because like I, I mentioned this already, but I don't think they're quite ready for the PDL or NPSL. I think they need to exist for at least maybe a full calendar year, um, possibly two just to grow into things. There, um, there were a couple of like game day operations hiccups I noticed, and I think they're just not quite ready for that level yet. Um, but yeah, that's no insult to them. It's just such a new team. It all came together so quickly. I think they just need to find some other, which I'm not really familiar uh, below PDL. I'm no expert. You know, I, I draw the line, at, you know, knowing 58 divisions. <laughs> so <laughs> they need to find just some adult men's league to play in in the meantime would be my guess. Um, maybe something to, similar to the, uh, I know we had when we had Kartik Krishnayer on. He talked about how Boca Raton had played in that APSL, um, yeah. which is the local Florida league, which prepared them to make the jump to NPSL. So something similar to that level, I think, is would re- be really good for this club. Yeah, uh, Aaron, you have anything to add before I jump in? Like we talk about as fans of the game, we never want to see stuff like this happen. We want clubs to succeed and to have them have to kind of be homeless after they haven't even completed their first set of games is pretty intense. And it drives home how real the struggle can be for, for starting up professional soccer, I guess, amateur soccer in this country. You know, this, this season for them, the Indy saints is only eight games right. four, four away. And before they're done with it in this short stint, it's all come crumbling down and there are going to be a lot of homeless teams. And a lot of players that wanted experience that aren't going to be able to play their post-game tournament or get the exposure that they were wanting in the U.S. Open Cup, it's it's kind of sad to me, you know. I mean, <laughs> the point is, the point is, uh, there's a lot of work yet to be done. And the other thing I would like to mention is, well, you came up with the concept in March and you launch it in June. And you wonder why it didn't work. It, it takes a little bit more effort than that. Yeah, I think Kevin's that's a good point. The, Kevin citing the fact that, you know, perhaps they don't get this U.S. Open Cup bid is the reason for the, the collapse. I personally don't have any other information on this, but I would I would be hard-pressed to find that to be the only reason this league isn't going to put it together. You know, there was there was a situation earlier in the season when Indy Saints' opponent couldn't field enough players to make it down to Indianapolis, and so a last-minute swaparoo had to take place. I mean, there's a lot to this. There's there's still money for travel for these for these kids that are playing. Uh, some of them, I guess, are in their 20s, so maybe they're not kids. But there's still money for travel, and you know they're selling tickets at seven dollars a piece or eight dollars a piece. But the only people buying the tickets to the games that I saw were super close friends and family. So. I think there's fundraising issues involved with this that are much more prominent than promises or handshake agreements. 
and and I'll add uh, when KJ was breaking the story to Aaron and I, uh, KJ and I were talking about options of leagues, and one of the things we talked about was UPSL, which has promotion relegation and has ex- just exploded in the number of uh, teams it has. But since KJ and I spoke, I went through to the UPSL website, and they really only have teams in nine, nine states. The closest one to Indiana being Idaho, and that only had there are only two teams in Idaho. So there would be, I don't see a way by which um, this le- uh, this team joins the UPSL just with a ge- geographical issue of that. So um, and then other options are the Indiana Soccer Association, uh, Indiana Soccer League. But I think it's mostly a developmental league, and I don't know if it, adults are allowed. So. I think this league is in, in a, a di- sorry this team is in a difficult situation, and KJ, we look forward to hearing from you once they figure out what their next step is. So, guys, with that, we should wrap up today's podcast. Uh, Aaron, you have anything you're working on or for the website? I think I'm going to really try and keep track of, of the competition out west. I think it's important to note who is involved, who has skin in the game, and I'm talking about really the soccer wars in the Bay Area. So the thing that I'm going to be working on is just getting a full list of everybody top to bottom in all divisions and see what niches they're carving out, see see where, the, see where they think their target market is and what they're planning on doing, what their hopes and aspirations are. And it's not meant to drive a spike or a wedge in between warring factions. It's really meant to just be a an account of this is where everything stands today. This is what it's like. And then maybe we review it in six months and, and see if it's still the same or, you know, what other developments have been made. So kind of like a time capsule piece of the competition out West. KJ, what do you have going on on the website this week? we got a lot going on. Um, I'm trying to help publish a bunch of stuff, a couple briefs as well as some of my own work too. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm loving life right now. I've got a nice four day weekend. My boss was kind enough to give me Monday off as well. So there will be plenty to see at socktakes.com. And another thing I wanted to add really quickly is to remind everyone that we are, of course, now on Patreon. And if you're not familiar with Patreon, visit our website at socktakes.com Patreon for more information and also a link to sign up to support us. And we're going to start um, either ep- every episode or every other episode giving a shout out to our patrons at the $10 tier a month and higher. So we are pleased to announce that we do have one patron right now at that level, and it is Scott Grimes. So Scott, thank you so much for your support. We just churned out a special podcast um, for you as well as our other patrons at tiers below. So we hope you check that out. And thank you again to Scott Grimes for supporting us at the $10 tier and higher. You too can get on our list. Um, just like I said, visit socktakes.com forward slash Patreon. Absolutely. Yeah. Make sure you, uh, if you have a, some money to spare, uh, help support us and we'll keep providing good content that is specific and, uh, personal to you. Um, you can find us all on Twitter at socktakes, KJ box, uh, Kevin at KJ boxing, Aaron at a Gunyan, me at Nipun Chopra seven. Um, Thank you, everyone, for listening. This was episode 22 of the Sock Takes podcast.